So Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. This, of course, is the day of the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. This is God's word. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing, because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. When was the last time you were feeling joyful? Let me put it another way. When was the last time you were thinking joyful? It's a big difference, isn't there? Difference between the last time we may have been feeling joyful and the last time we were thinking joyful. We can feel all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons. We have bodies and souls, and we live in a fallen world. We all have experiences that affect us. We have enemies that afflict us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But how are we thinking in all those things? How are you directing your thoughts? Because what we focus on makes a world of difference. In our passage tonight, in just one verse, Nehemiah 12, 43, the word joy occurs in some form in Hebrew five times. One verse, five times. Sometimes preachers have a challenge with a portion of Scripture trying to work out as they study the word, what is the main theme here? What is the, the main line of thought here to which it all uh, points and hang, it all hangs together? No problem at all, is it, in Nehemiah twelve forty three? Joy, 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 joy. What's the sermon going to be about, boys and girls? Joy. Joy. Well, in Nehemiah 12, just by way of review, what prompted this notable five-fold joy? Well, the walls and the temple had been completed. They were finished. I think it's interesting that seven times in the Bible we read about complete joy, a fullness of joy. But here is the joy of completion. And I think they're very much related. The joy of completion and complete joy. Because doesn't finishing things usually bring great joy? I was at Synod last week, meetings every day, 
uh, long meetings from 8.30 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. Uh, but the Lord enabled us to finish our work. There's always a note of joy in the person who makes the motion to adjourn. And we get to go home. God helped us to finish our work. Some of you just went through school graduations. And that's a joyful time. Because you've done a lot of work. And you completed your grade. And it's finished. To look back on. And you can be joyful. Some of you uh, run races. And that involves a great deal of pain. But there's a joy, isn't there, to crossing the finish line. Or maybe you could think of a project at work that you've had. And it all wraps up and it's all finished and you sign off on that project and there is a great joy of accomplishment. So here as well in Nehemiah's day, the joy we read was great because the walls in the temple were finished. The job was done. Completion brings joy. Of course, in this life, there's a sense that we don't finish things, that we never get to the point where everything in our lives is neat and tidy and finished. The work in one way or another continues. One aspect may come to completion, but there's still so much to be done. You know, even as the Jews in Nehemiah's day rejoiced at the completion of the walls and the temple, these things and their completion are a picture and a pointer to three great completions spoken of in the Scripture. What will one day be complete? The work finished. Well, one day it will be the restoration of all creation. Creation that was subject to frustration and thorns and thistles under the curse in the fall. One day will be made new. The new heavens and the new earth. Forever and ever. Romans chapter 8. For The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. There will be great joy when we behold the new heavens and the new earth. And very simple in many ways, I like to sit outside and just look at a tree. And it brings me great joy. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. And it's true, it brings me great joy. But we know there are many things in creation in this world that don't bring joy. Floods and fires and famines and all kinds of things that bring great trouble and hardship and sorrow and suffering. But one day, the new 
heavens and the new earth will come into being by the power and word of Christ, and there will be great joy. There will also be a great completion to the church. And here as we see the temple being built, especially and rebuilt and finished and dedicated, this points to the church, the people of God. For we, like living stones, are being built together into a spiritual house. And one day, that building will be complete. And this is the will of him who sent me, said Jesus, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Not one missing. All saved. All the elect of God. You know, in Deuteronomy 16, 15, it's speaking of the harvest. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Farmers know the joy of harvest. After all the planting, wondering, is this going to germinate? Then the growing, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Is it too much rain, too little rain? And all, but then a harvest, and you're able to bring the harvest in. And what a joy there is in that. But God says that harvests of crops are a picture as well of the harvest of his people. And one day that harvest will be brought in and our joy will be complete. John in the Revelation says, after this I looked and there was uh, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. What a joy there will be when the church of Jesus Christ is complete. Speaking of the church, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 wrote, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. There is a completion numerically, but there is also a completion ethically, morally. We know that this is not perfect. Our unity, the unity that we live out, we are commanded to strive to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, but we fall short. We fall short. This is not perfect in this life, but one day... That will be complete as well. A completion of creation, a completion of the church, but also the completion of every Christian. Every Christian. One day, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ will be complete in perfect personal holiness. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And that process that the Holy Spirit begins when a person is born again, to change them day by day from glory to ever-increasing glory, to be made like Jesus, one day will be complete, and it will be a day of great joy. And one day our bodies 
will match the complete, complete blessing of our souls. Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. See, it's the joy of completion, of creation, of the church, and of every Christian himself. These completions bring joy. You know, if we were left to ourselves in our own strength, we would never be able to complete anything and there would be no joy. You think of a school graduation and that day comes, but then a student is informed, sorry, you don't have enough credits. You enter a race a paramedic that I know told me that the 10K race at the Ottawa race weekend is uh, where they have the most heart attacks at the finish line. Or a work project that for one reason or another you've had to leave half finished. And that's just the things of this life. Spiritually beloved, outside of Christ, no one finishes well. No one finishes well. And there is and will be no joy. The little glimpses and tastes of joy that people have in this life in common grace will be swept away for all those outside of Christ. There is no joy in hell. Hell is utterly and completely and eternally joyless. True and eternal joy can only be found in the triune God. And we see that here in verse 43, don't we? God had given them great joy. God had given them great joy. And if it's something that God gives, it's something that you can pray for. Didn't David pray for that in Psalm 51? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. God gives it. And God gives it only in Jesus Christ. It is God-given and Christ mediated. Because what do, what do we read at the beginning of verse 43? On that day, what did they do? They offered great sacrifices. And anytime you read about a sacrifice in the Old Testament, it should point you quickly and directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's pointing to. That God shows his mercy and grace and love and kindness in Christ to those who are trusting in his God's provision of a substitute in the sacrifice. And so joy comes to those who confess their sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and are looking to him and are united to him. And the New Testament tells us that in Galatians 5 that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy. 
The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's found in God, mediated by Christ, worked in us by the Holy Spirit. There is complete joy in Christ. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom, said John the Baptist, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that joy is mine and is now complete. Complete joy comes in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the vine. Apart from him, we can do nothing. In him, we are enabled to bear fruit, abiding in him and abiding in his word. And what does Jesus say in John 15, 11? But I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And the apostle John wrote similarly, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. That's where joy is. Fellowship with the Father and with the Son. By the Holy Spirit. The joy of completion. The completion of the work of Christ on our behalf. Day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. His work was complete. And because his work was complete, the work of completing creation and the church and every Christian will come to completion. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And beloved, because these things are true, Let me ask you again, not are you feeling joyful, but are you thinking joyful? Let me have just two brief practical applications from this verse. The first is experiential, experiential. Are you deficient in joy? And I ask this of me as well. Am I deficient in joy? Am I joyful as a believer? The kingdom of heaven is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. As much as we hear about, preach, and believe righteousness in our justification, peace with God through faith, do we preach joy in the Holy Spirit? as essential to the Christian life as those other two? God joins all three together. Righteousness, peace, and joy 
in the Holy Spirit. Beloved, if I am not as joyful as Scripture calls me to be, I have forgotten what I believe. I have forgotten in whom I believe. I need to refocus. I need to think about Christ's finished work and the work that will be finished because of him in creation and the church and in our own character. And if that end is certain, we should work toward it every day joyfully. The work will be completed, said Ted Donnelly, not always as we might imagine, but it will be completed God's in God's own purpose and God's way. Am I joyful as a believer? But there's another application as well, not the experiential, but the evangelistic. The evangelistic. Now, why do we come to that as an application? Well, look at verse 43. Look at the very last part. Did you remember? The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Their neighbors heard it. The nations heard it. The Gentiles heard it far away. Women and children rejoiced, and the world noticed. There is a great evangelistic blessing in a joyful Christian. The heart of our evangelism is the truth. But we adorn the gospel with our joy. Spurgeon put it very vividly. You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Here is the key. Again, said Ted Donnelly to a successful witness, a people overflowing with excitement and joy because of what God is doing for them. Growing churches differ in many ways, but all have a sense of the active presence of God producing infectious joy. This is the testimony of the psalmist in Psalm 126. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Do I live the kind of life where, according to 1 Peter, someone would come and ask for the hope that is in me? They see something and they say, what is the hope that you have that you can live that way? And similarly, is my life filled with a kind of joy, not a, a, a silly, superficial giddiness. Nobody wants that or respects that but an abiding, deep, circumstance-defying joy. That the world will notice. 
And it comes as we set our minds on the finished work of Christ and the work that Christ will finish. The joy of completion and complete joy in the Lord. So that the Apostle Paul can write, not of a joy that is fickle and determined by our circumstances, but a joy that is commanded when he says in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. May God help us. Amen.